to know that he is my provider. I need to know he is my deliverer. I need to know he is my protection. I need to know that he is my prosperity. And at times when I'm dealing with life and taking my tests, be it a financial test, relationship test, a parenting test, a job test, a church test, a business test, a school test, or whatever test you may be going through, I have to remind myself that God is. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. There are some things in life that we deem personal to us as an individual. They're private, they're exclusive, and they are related. Both cell phones are personal because you put a code on them so no one can get in them except you or the person you give the code to. As a married person, there are some things that are personal to me that I openly and willingly give access to my wife to include my cell phone. Lady Dobbs and I have bank accounts that are personal to uh, us and they're open to us but not open to everyone else. They are personal. My faults and opinions about certain things, certain people, and certain situations are personal. I only tell others as the Lord leads. And one lesson I had to learn is, and I pray that you'll learn this lesson too, is you got to learn how to be a good steward over information. Because people, you can't just tell everything that you know. Because that could create a problem in the long run. In fact, I wouldn't trust you if you told everything that you know. I'll be very limited to what I told you because I realize that as soon as I tell you, I can hear it somewhere else or in another place. Especially when that information is personal. There are times when people will ask my personal opinion and I do not give it. But if I'm led to share it, I will. Yet, the key word here is personal, private, exclusive, and that which is related to me. And I'm sure many of you would agree with me that there are certain things, decisions, and relationships that we have that are personal. Certain, certain conversations that are personal. There are conversations between me and my wife that are personal. There are conversations that we may have, me and you may have in the back, that are personal. We, I don't share that conversation with anybody. Because why? That's personal. That's something that you are dealing with. And that would not be a good pastor or a good senior minister or a good leader if every time somebody shares something personal with them, they went out and shared it in the streets or with whoever came by. Because why? It's personal. We keep them private until we're ready to share with others. And of course, I'm sure many would agree that when you got that personal information, that's personal to you. That's what you're dealing with. And of course, there's some matters that probably should remain personal that some people share publicly. And there are other matters that perhaps should be more public, yet we tuck it away until we want others to know. I will say when it comes to our faith, it, faith in Jesus, it is 
personal. When it comes to my confidence in Jesus, it is personal. My belief and my trust in Jesus is a personal thing. My confidence in God's written and revealed word and his character is personal. I trust God and his word. I, I, I'm, I'm secure with his word. And I'll be honest with you, when, uh, when I want to say I trust God's word exclusively, but tr truth be told, I'm being tested on how much I trust his word. I'm being tested in my situations and my circumstances. I'm being tested with financial challenges, health challenges, and so forth. Yeah, I can say I trust him 100%, but God going to put that to the test at one point or another. You know, it's, it's a good testimony. I trust you wholeheartedly, God. I mean, I, don't, I trust you 100%, but that's a personal thing. Because when God begins to test you, he's going to know how much you really trust him. And, most, most, and everybody who's walked with Jesus for a length of time, and you thought you really had to trust them, all of a sudden a circumstance arose, a situation came up, a challenge came forth, and you were like, oh, God, I thought I trusted you, but help me to trust, to trust you even the more. Therefore, it's a test. It's an intense examination, observation, the elevation of something or someone. This test is designed to see uh, who we are, who we say we believe, who we say we love, who we, uh, what we believe God can do and will do. See, a test is an intense examination, observation, and evaluation. An examination meaning a a detailed inspection of scrutiny and investigation into what I believe. It's an observation, meaning I'm watching, I'm monitoring in order to gain information. God is gaining information that he already, really, he's, get, he's testing me to show me me. He already knows everything about me. Mm, mm, mm. And it's an evaluation. It's a process of assessing what I do and what conclusion or what judgment I arrive at based on the information that is presented before me. Am I going to be in faith or am I going to doubt what God says in his word? And some of us, depending on our level of maturity, get nervous or anxious and uncomfortable when it's test time. I can imagine someone in school getting ready to take a big test. If they're not careful, they will be anxious or nervous. And I have to admit, sometimes when I go to the doctor, I get a little nervous before they start taking tests on me. i like, you know, why are you nervous, uh, Richard? And I say, because I don't like your results. <laughs> oh, wait, you know, let me move on from there. Depending on our growth and desire to do better and to be better, we can see tests as an opportunity and not an opposition. As I approach test time, I need to be prepared. One lesson we have to learn is to prepare daily. I wouldn't be as nervous if I prepared for these tests daily. Daily preparing for tests, praying, studying the Word of God, amen, fasting as the Spirit of God leads and so forth, getting in the Word so in turn I have knowledge and understanding of God in order to pass my tests. And understand that if you've been with God long enough, if you don't pass the test the first time, you will see it again. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you will see it again. Because God loves us enough to make sure before you go to this next level, he got to make sure you're good on this level right here. Remember, this test is personal, it's private, it's exclusive to me. My test is not your test. It may be similar, the outcome may look or resemble something that is similar, but my test is designed for me and your test is designed for you. It is personal. And there are many truths that will help us to prepare, endure, and excel during our personal tests. I want to share one scripture with you that I believe that will help us get to where we need to be. Psalms 46 and verse 1. So if you don't mind, let's go to Psalms 46 and verse 1. Psalms 46 and verse 1. One passage of scripture that I believe that truly has been a blessing to me, and I pray it has been, uh, still is, a blessing to you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So notice this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Whether we're in a test of our faith, headed to the test, or finishing up a test, where, uh, which our faith is being tested, evaluated, and examined, or in the process of judgment is being made, we need to know and understand Psalms 46 and verse 1. Remember, our test is personal, but the truth is universal. It's effect and impacts everyone. The first clause of Psalms 46 and run. 46 and 1 reads as follows. God is our refuge. He is a shelter. Not only is he a shelter, he is strength. He is might. But it reminds me, first of all, that God is. God is a present help. And I need to know that God is before I even go further. Because it, that should be personal to me. I need to know that God is my healer. Mm. I need to know that God is my way maker. I need to know that God is my redeemer. I need to know that God is my comforter. I need to know that God is the Prince of Peace. I need to know that he is the Lord of the Lords. He is the King of the Kings. I need to know. Notice this. It's personal. I need to know that he is my provider. I need to know he is my deliverer. I need to know he is my protection. I need to know that he is my prosperity. And at times when I'm dealing with life and taking my tests, be it a financial test, relationship test, a parenting test, a job test, a church test, a business test, a school test, or whatever test you may be going through, I have to remind myself that God is. God is. God is. Notice what he says in Psalms 46 and 1. He is our refuge. He is my shelter. He's my shelter from rain. He's my shelter from danger. He's my shelter from the storm and refuge in the time of hope. God is my hope when the situation looks hopeless. Why? Because God is my hope. God is. Remember when, when Moses get ready to go and they said, who do you, who, God, God, who do you want me to tell him who you are? Just tell him I am. 
I am whatever you need for me to be in that situation and in that circumstance. I am who I am. I am your healer when you go to the doctor. I am your lawyer when you go to the courtroom. I am your all in all. I'm your master teacher. I'm your relationship counselor. I am whatever you need for me to be. That it. You got to know who God is. And not only that, he is our strength. He is our Boldness, he is our might, he's our power and strength that we need to face the test, endure the test, and overcome the test. And if I got to take it again, I want God to still be my strength. And see, I don't mind taking the test again because I know God got my best interest at heart. He might say, listen, you made a, a 71, which is passing in some areas, but I know you can make a 90-something. Why? Because you need that for where you're going in your life with God. You've been living long enough until you feel like you're going through the same thing over and over and over and over again because God is just building your test up. He's building your examination skills up. He's building what you're going through because he knows where you are going better than you do. He says, I got to get Dobbs ready because he needs to know that I am for what he got to deal with in 2024, what he got to deal with in December, what he got to deal with next week. I need for him to know that I am who he said I am. He is a present help. Psalms 46 and 1, the latter for a present help, a present aid, a present assistance in trouble, in difficulty, in problems, in distress. No doubt and our all-knowing and all-powerful God knows that in a time of when my personal faith, my confidence and trusting God and his word will be tested, I will need a present help, a present aid, a present assistant in trouble. I need God. And I, you know, God loves us enough that he's already put it on the table that if I need help, I just need to ask him. I just need to ask him, Lord, I know you can help me. I know you can deliver me, but I need, uh, listen, I need to ask you to help me. I need, you, I need to ask you to help me because I know you can help me when trouble comes, but I got to ask for your assistance. I got to get your Listen, I need to know for get your aid and your assistance. And at times when our faith is tested, it comes with challenges, difficulties, problems, stress, anxiety, distress, and such like. And the test might bring those things, yet God promises in Psalms 46 and 1, he is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. God promises genuine help, bona fide help, authentic help, assistance that is real help. Let me say this to you. God will help you better than any man, any doctor, any lawyer, any your family members. God will help you better than anybody. He is a present help. And I love, and this is the thing I love about God. He knows exactly how to help us. He knows exactly how to help us. Listen, people think they know how to help you, but God knows exactly how to help you. God's promises 
genuine help. Therefore, he is a present help or assistance when we deal with trouble or difficulties in our, in our life. No matter what comes up in our life, the Lord is a present help. He brings solutions that work. I heard somebody praying that this morning. Listen, we need solutions that work. We need solutions that are going to give me what God wants me to have. If I need to be delivered, I need a solution that works. If I need prosperity, I need a solution that works. If I need healing, I don't need to be taking medicine all over the place. I need a solution that works. If my marriage is in trouble, I need a solution that works. I don't need to be playing around with all the other stuff. I need a solution that works. Come raising my children. I need a solution that works. Listen, if I, whatever it is, I need a solution that works. And God has a solution that's going to work for your life. And one thing you will learn about God, God has different solutions for different situations. Your solution may not be my solution, and my solution may not be his solution, and his solution may not be her solution, and our solution may not be their solution. But God has a solution. He has something that will work. Why? Because he's a present help. And he desires to help his people. Oh, you got to know God desires to help his people. You got to know that, that God desires to help his people. And we can be going through, we can go through all, all kinds of scriptures. And, and we've learned scriptures and we have talked about scriptures. And we've seen how Jesus is teaching, preaching, and he's helping people. He's, he's a great source of help. Oh man, can y'all oh, y'all remember or not? But you remember when that uh the, the one of the uh hallelujah the, the lepers, one of them got healed of their leprosy, but one came back to tell him thank you, and God made that brother whole. Whew, that was a powerful situation now. That was powerful. He gave him what? A solution that worked. And really, it was interesting because he said, Hey, when they're not more than just one of you got healed? Wasn't it more than just one of you? I, I, I got a solution. I got enough formula to work for all of you. You know, mention the drugstore and get your medicine filled, and they say, we ain't got none right now. Uh, listen, he, he never runs out, y'all. He never runs out of what you need. He is a present help in the time of need. He, he got plenty for where he came from. Listen, God will never run out. He will never get stomped by your problem. He knows exactly how to handle your situation. He is a great source of help. He, he would stop and minister healing and deliverance to people all along the way. Remember that woman that was, listen, he was on his way to heal somebody else's daughter, and then a woman touched the, his clothes, and healing came out, and she was made whole. She was the liver of something that would been in her life for years. One touch from God changed her life for the better. One touch from God. Now, we've been taught throughout these last few sermons when people chose Jesus, their life got better. When they went after, when they selected to do it God's way, their life got better. Now, in today's text, we're going to see Jesus is being Jesus. His character, his mission, and his daily purpose is consistent. 
Remember when Jesus came to the earth? He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't change his purpose when he came here. You know what? One thing about God, God did not let a situation come up and then cause him. Well, you know what? I got to change my purpose for the reason I came. There's nothing that came up that caused Jesus to get away from his purpose. Nothing that came up. Nothing that came up. And so we need to know that if it worked then, it'll work now. If Jesus said it will work then, it will work now. Now today's says we're going to see Jesus being Jesus, his character, his mission. It don't change. It don't change. It don't change. So let's go to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read 27 through 31 and come back and go a little deeper into it. All right? Matthew chapter 9. 27 through 31. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. 28. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Verse 29. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Verse 30, and their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. Verse 31, when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. Wow. Let's go back to 27. Matthew 9, 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men, uh, blind, they were unable to see naturally, follow or accompany him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. They cried out, help us, Lord. We're afflicted. We need aid. We need assistance. We need for you to help us. But you know, Jesus being Jesus, you know, he's teaching He's preaching, he's forgiving sins, he's healing people, he's making some people uncomfortable. In fact, the presence of the light and the light and the and the light of God in Jesus is showing up the evil in others, even today. Let's go to Matthew chapter nine. Let's look at scripture verse one through six. Matthew chapter nine, verse one through six. So he got into a boat crossed over and came to his own city. Now, this is all happening around the same time. This is just beginning when he got off the boat. Got off the boat. Got off the boat, y'all. Listen, ain't even got good two feet on the boat yet. Notice what took place. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on the bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. Verse 4, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which it's easy to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. But, you, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Woo! I like this verse 8. Now, when the multitude saw it, 
they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. I tell you, boy, Jesus it was, is still powerful, y'all. Got off the boat healing folks. And then the, some people got mad because they were being healed. Listen, you get mad all day. Somebody healing me? So be it. Are y'all following me? That, listen, you can get mad. God decided to bless me with $10 million. Why he give you $10 million? And why he do this and did 10, 15, 50 million dollars? And why he give you $70 million? And why he give you $80 million? And I'm like, well, you can get mad all you want to because I'm, listen, I'm receiving what God has for me. How many are going to receive what God has for them? I'm telling you, man, I'm not getting mad because God gave me something. Now, you get mad with me, but that's it, though. We have to continue to grow and mature in our understanding in the Word so that we, we are prepared to deal with those around us who are uncomfortable with the Jesus in us, his character and his nature uh, that be on display in us. They may not understand it and may unknowingly be plotting against us, but really the plot is against Jesus in us. That's a different teaching for a different day, but I hope it helps someone. As mentioned before, Jesus busy being himself. He is teaching, preaching, forgiving sins, healing, and loving on people and making some people uncomfortable and exposing the evil that is in their hearts. Notice all this takes place before he gets to this particular situation. And I want to show you something else, too. I want you to notice he done went to somebody's house. He done went to somebody's house, y'all. No, he done did this, went to somebody's house in verse 24. Look at verse 24, Matthew 9, 24. Just go 23. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute, play, flute, the flute players and noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping. Oh, they're mad now. And they ridiculed him. And when the crowd was put out, he had to put them out, y'all. Y'all know he were, they were mad at him then. He put them, as we say, slap out. I mean, you know, hey, these were not, these were some individuals, he didn't put them out. And I'm, I'm afraid some of them going to have to put some folks out. But oh, let me get out of that. And I, got, I don't want to get started right there. He went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose, and the report of this went out into all the land. Wow. He yeah. Healed a paralytic. Now he went and got this girl up who was dead, got her back up alive again. People talking. Now this to me is when the blind man heard about what was happening. Imagine you hear, you hear something like that. Oh, Jesus got somebody up from the dead. He done healed a paralytic. I know this, this issue I got going on my eyes shouldn't be no problem with him. If he gets somebody up from the dead, oh, he can heal a lot. He can, he can cause people to hear. He can pay my light bill. He can pay my debts off. He can deliver me from alcohol, drinking, lying, cheating, and so forth. I mean, if he can do all of that, I know God can do this for me. Are y'all seeing here? Because it went, the Bible says it went out, everything that he done. And then the Bible says, and when they departed from there, Two blind men followed him. So notice he just got this. To me, what it reads is he got he went to that lady's house or the prince, the man's house, got the daughter up, 
And when he departed from there, two blind men must have heard about it, and they started following Jesus. They, two blind men said, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to accompany him. But you know why they were following They were crying out. They were crying out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on us. Ooh. You know what? Before I go into this, let me say this to you. This one decision changed their life forever. Notice that. They could have heard about the healing and said, you know what? I'm just going to stay back and be happy for the girl. You know what they did? This is me thinking, hey, if he healed her, he can heal me. And sometimes you got to be like this. God, if you did it for Sister A or Brother B, and you're the same God today, yesterday, and forevermore, I know you can do that for me. That's why I love the testimonies y'all talking about. Well, you know, God just paid off my car. God just paid off my house. God just did this for me. I got a promotion. I got my body healed. I said, well, God, if do that for Sister A or Brother B, I know God would do the same thing for me too. Woo, somebody say he'll do it for me too. He'll do it for me too. Yes, he will. And Sometimes, though, when we look at that word blind, it's not just in a physical sense, but sometimes a mental sense. In the sense that sometimes people come unaware, unable to perceive, understand certain things to the point they may walk into danger and not be aware. Have a blind approach to friends, blind approach to relationships, blindly in love. I know y'all probably heard the saying, love is blind. And you be looking at folks, why they dating that person? Don't they know that person is this, that, and the other? Don't they see that this person is like this? And you think they would see it, but they are mentally and spiritually blind. And we're praying that God will open their eyes. So they'll see what they got. But you know one thing I've noticed, though? Even when God opens their eyes, they still got to make a choice to move or depart from that situation. Mm-mm. Got quiet there, but they, they got to make a part. Because they can see stuff, but yet, God's not going to make you leave. He will show you stuff. He will show you this, that, and the other. But you got to get out of it. You got to get out of that relationship. Now, when we look at the text, we're able to see a test going on. The blind man had, they had limitations, but but their first test is to see if they're going to follow him. They're going to see if they're going to follow him. Can you imagine? I don't really know, but can you imagine if you're in this situation and you got to follow somebody, you got to follow somebody. You can't see them. You can only hear them. And you got to follow them. And it's two of y'all together. It's two of y'all together. But one thing about these blind men, 
They didn't make any excuses. They said, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to accompany him. I am going to follow him. They might have knew Psalms 46 and 1, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And it goes on to say uh, in verse 28, and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. So evidently, when he's in the house, the blind men come to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe? Are you persuaded? Do you have confidence? Do you think that I can do this that you're asking me to do? Do you think that? Do you think that I am able or capable, I got the power of the ability and the strength to do this. They said to him, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Ooh. You know, and, and, and you know what? These two blind men, it sound good, don't it? But I, what about when it come to us, though? What about when it come to us? See, I've been here. I see this bill. I'm like, Lord. I got this much money and the bill this much. Do I believe that God will supply the need? Do I believe he'll supply the need? Being challenged in my body, and I'm saying, God, do I believe you can heal my body? I'm going through mentally, do I believe that God can deliver me? I got the power and the ability to get me out of what I'm going through mentally. Do I believe it? Because, see, it's good when you're preaching to everybody else. But Jesus proposed the question to the two blind men. And see, sometimes we got to ask ourselves the question, do we believe? Yeah, I know you believe, Pastor Dobb. Yeah, I know you believe, Senior Minister. Yeah, I know you believe, First Lady. But do you believe that God can do what he said he could do? Do you believe he can get you your heart's desire? Do you believe he can do this, that, and the other in your life? See, do you think he's able? Do you think God got the ability and the strength to do this? I like their response. Yes, Lord. You know, well, I thought about if I knew the words, I would have sung that song. Y'all remember that song? Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord. That has new meaning to me now because I understand when you're saying, yes, Lord, you're not just saying it to be saying it. You're saying it because this is what his word says. This is what his word says. I, I'm, a, I'm surely you can do this, God. Truly, Lord, you can do this. It's a, in a seamlessly hopeless and helpless situation, Jesus could see that they had faith to follow him. Faith to ask for help and faith to draw close to him and enter the house with him. Boy, they just say, hey, they walking by faith and not by sight. And some, they, they did that literally. But really, it was more about them spiritually walking by faith than it was them naturally walking by faith. And you got to ask yourself the question, am I just going by because I, I, I can see the budget and this, the budget looks good? Are you really saying, God, I believe you can supply the need? Because mm. sometimes we can have confidence in numbers and not confidence in God. 
Sometimes we can have confidence in a good doctor report than have confidence that God is a healer. Oh, you got to ask yourself your question. Are you believing what the doctor said or are you believing what the word says? You believe what your bank account says, that tax return money, that Christmas fund money, or you believe that God going to supply the needs? Because everybody says one thing, but when it comes down to the word of God, you got to ask yourself the question. I've got to ask myself the question, do I believe he can do this? Because we can get comfortable because we believe, amen, we go to the, to the parking lot and we can hit that button and that, or hit that starter button and it's going to crank. Are you trusting God or you just got confidence in the vehicle? You got to ask yourself the question, do you really believe this? Or are you just going through the motions because everything is going the way you want it to go? What about when it don't go the way you want it to go? Do you still believe God? What about when you go to work and they're not acting like they normally act? Do you still believe God? Listen, we come to church and pastor ain't acting right. Do you still believe God? See, this is a question we all got to ask ourselves. Yeah, it was good when I left the house, but now my spouse ain't acting right when I come home. Do you still believe God? The children, yeah, I thought they were doing good, but the teacher calling me and said, hey, your son, your daughter acting up in class. Do you still believe God? See, it's, it's a question we have to constantly put before ourselves to make sure we're not trusting in flesh, not trusting in intellect, not trusting in ability, but we're trusting in the almighty God. Because you can get caught up in it when things get comfortable, y'all. I've been there. Know what it's like. Get comfortable because I see the bank account all right. Comfortable because the car cranking. Comfortable because I got a full tank of gas. Comfortable I got plenty of food in the pantry. Comfortable because the health seems good. Get comfortable. But am I really trusting and believing God? Am I really doing that? And that is a question we've got to ask ourselves. Yet they believe God, he's able to change the, he, he, he is able to change their situation. The situation that would cause them to press their way. The situation that would cause them to cry out to him. The situation that they posed a question, that God posed a question to them about. When it comes to our finances, our job, our health, our business, our marriage, our single life, and so forth, do we believe that God is able to do this? The question is to us. Do we have the faith, the confidence, the trust to answer like the blind man answered? Now, what was private has become public. They will believe in God, and now this is a public situation. That what, what, which was personal and exclusive is now public and proclaimed. The two blind men said, yes, Lord. And I mentioned before, we ask ourselves the same question, do I believe? Do I have confidence that the Lord is going to do it? Am I persuaded that this is the will of God for my life? Do I trust his timing for the situation? Let me say that again because I know four or five people need to hear this. Do I trust his timing in the situation? Is my confidence in my ability or his ability? 
Am I relying on my strength, which is limited, or his strength, which is unlimited? You can get comfortable, y'all, in your own ability, your own strength. Your, I got it all figured out. I got the goals down for 2024. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do that. Step four, do that. If you find yourself relying on something like that, throw it away. You need to start walking by faith and not by sight. Now, nothing wrong with goals. Uh, the vision, write it, make it plain. But understand, you put your confidence in God. You put your confidence in God. The blind men are great examples to us whether, without hesitation, reason, justification, or an excuse. They responded to him, yes, Lord. Yes, release the touch that changed their lives for the better. Verse 29, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your, mm -mm, according to your faith. Let it be to you. When he touched them, he cleaned to them. He cleaned to their eyes. Notice this. He cleaned to the eyes and said, according to your faith, you trust me to do this. You believe I can do this. You believe I'm strong enough, I'm big enough, I am able enough to do this. Touch was just formality. They were in, they were in faith, and when they when God touched them, boy, boom, their eyes were open. Their eyes were open. Two blind men. Two blind men, or I should say, former blind men. Woo! He touched their eyes. He touched the situation. He made the profound observation, examination, and judgment about the man's faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, your trust, the man's faith was on display. Their trust in the character of Jesus was on display. Their confidence in his written and revealed word caused the release of power, strength, and ability to heal them. Just like the woman who touched the is closed and the the, woo, the power came out and she was healed. Almost the same situation. She he, the touch changed their life. They weren't just rubbing up against them like the crowd was. They touched them. They clinged to him. You see how your life can change when you touch Jesus like that? Touch him in faith. Touch him believing and trusting in God can make your life better. And let me say this to you. She, uh, the blind men were not disappointed. The woman with issue blood was not disappointed. And you would not be disappointed neither. Mm. Somebody say, I would not be disappointed. God would not disappoint you. He won't disappoint you. Oh, God, whatever we're believing God for is our faith to the point that we have confidence that God will manifest that thing in our life. The blind man's, blind man's faith was at the point that when Jesus touched and passed his touch upon their eyes, they were healed. I want my faith to be at the point that when I need deliverance, my faith will get me delivered. 
I need supernatural finances. I can connect to God's word on giving and trust him to manifest what I need. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over shall men give into my bosom, according to Luke 6 and 38. If I sow bountifully and generously, I will reap bountifully and generously. If I sow sparingly, I will reap bountifully, reap bountifully according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. If I sow sparingly, I will also reap sparingly. Excuse me. I want my faith to be at the level when I need the manifestation of prosperity to come in to overflow to my finances, my health, my relationship, my peace, my joy, whatever, that my faith will be bring about what I need. And let me give you a little thing right quick. I don't have time to really go into all of it. If you need faith, go to the scriptures. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God will give you a word to increase your faith. If you're not there yet, he'll give you a word to increase your faith. To get you, have your confidence and your trust and your belief in Jesus to the point. If I don't give it all to you here, hey, continue to study. Continue to study the word of God. Continue to listen to the podcast. Continue to pull out your sermon notes. Continue, amen. Listen, you see what he did in Matthew chapter 9? He done healed a paralytic. He done got a blind man up. What? What you going to bring to God that's going to be overshadowing to him? What you going to bring to him? Now he just healed a man, two blind men, all in one chapter. You can read that chapter right there and cause your faith to be at that next level. Because you realize, hey, if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. If he did it for them, he will do it for me. And God is able to do it, y'all. Oh, he's able to do it. Oh, he's able to do all things, save, fail. They go to Matthew 9, 31. But when they had departed. Oh, excuse me. Let me go back. I skipped, I skipped 30. And their eyes are open. And their eyes are open. They allow access. They could view through. He could view through his eyes. And Jesus sternly warned them saying, see that no one knows it. Notice he said, keep the matter private. Keep it private. See that no one knows it. See that no one knows it. Then he went on to say, goes on to say in verse 31, but when they had departed, they spread the news about him to all the country. So when they left that, they spread the news. They extended over a particular area. Because remember, one of the reasons that I believe that the blind man, the two blind men were healed is because somebody spread the news about what he had already done. So you got to understand, if you want to see somebody delivered, you want to see somebody healed, you want to see somebody prosper, they got to hear the gospel from us who've been delivered, from us who've prospered, who us who the word is working on. We're living epistles, live and read of men. If people don't hear from us, who are they going to hear from? They got to hear from us, y'all. They spread it, the gospel. John 12 and 32. Let's go there real quickly in my closing. John chapter 12, verse 32. Like, notice what he says here. 
in John 12 and 32. And if I, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. And I, if I am lifted up and I am promoted, I am celebrated, I am magnified from the earth, I will draw, inwardly draw and drag all peoples to myself. Woo. We lift up Jesus, he'll draw people to himself. And that's what we want. We want people to be drawn to Jesus. We want people to be drawn to Jesus. I was reading uh, one of the Sunday school lessons, and one of the things they talked about that when John was on the earth, John the Baptist was on the earth, people were being drawn to him. But soon, John said, hey, paraphrasing, don't come to me. Let's go to Jesus. John's disciples got wondering, hey, our crowd dying down. He said, no, it, it, we're in perfect order to wake things need to be done. We get here, and we send them on to Jesus because Jesus is the one who can deliver them. Jesus is the one who can uh, protect them, and Jesus is the one who can prosper them. Jesus can keep them 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Jesus is who we lift up. Jesus is the one that we lift up. Now, we might be in testing season now. We might be in a silent season now. Wherever we are, let's continue to grow and mature in our faith and confidence in our one true God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when he asks us, do we believe that you're able to do this? He asks us, hey, Dobbs, do you believe I'm able to do this? Do I believe you're able to pay off all my debt? Do I believe you're able to, to uh, make me a blessing? Do I believe you're able to heal my body? Do I believe you're able to do this, that, and the other? I can say, look to the Lord and say with confidence, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. When God comes to you, what, do you, what will you respond? What will your response be? What will your response be? We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.